3: Can still play the guitar. Hell yeah, we can. 1,600 episodes in, 11 years in. We're like Slash coming out of the church in the November rain video. I am 43. From the Chris <laughs> Wesley Podcast Studio, it's around the NFL. Dan is here uh, with Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, and you heard it. I've been teasing this really <laughs> since uh, the Use Your Illusions double album. Uh, Colleen (laughs) would be on the show again, and she has... Yes, returned fresh from Detroit.
1: You guys, I missed you. There were a couple people on Twitter that were like, Dan really needs you to return this week. So it's true.
3: I needed you. <laughs> I missed you. We all missed you. And now I don't like, like not return. being around.
1: I, I miss you guys. I feel like my energy, my orbit, all of it is off when I'm not with you guys. I don't see you at least once yeah. a week. So now
4: all is right. It becomes clear on Tuesdays that Mark and I are not enough. We are not enough. <laughs> Um, that is not true. I, th- I think but. Dan, there was a moment, and, and I know he really meant it because it was off air, too, where he just like, this, this show just needs a shot of Colleen.
2: Oh Just really
4: needs some Colleen.
1: I got shots. Let's go.
4: <laughs> you were in Detroit.
1: Yeah. Speaking of shots. Because um, oh. I remember
3: uh, being down at the field after the Super Bowl uh-huh. uh, when the Eagles won. And we'll get, maybe get to the Eagles later. Yeah, Whatever. Um, and, and seeing like, Connie at like the 30-yard line and, and bumping into and you were in tears. Cut to five years later, tears of joy. Right. You're watching the game with diehard uh, Lions fan, Cynthia Freeland and Michigan native. That must have been nice.
1: Oh, my God. Cynthia is truly such a Lions fan, so it was so much fun to be there with her because there were so many of her friends and family that were coming mm. through the bar that we were doing live shots from. But then... We made it in the stadium just in time, right before they started the game for like the end of the pregame ceremony. And you guys were watching like the whole stadium, the way they had the wristbands and it was lighting up. But it was just really cool. And I looked over at Cynthia and she was just crying like and this was before the game kicked off. She was already crying. You
5: have a like a knack for being present at these groundswell fan events of She's like the Forrest lost. Gump. I know they hire you to bring you You're to right. you know, the jets, Cleveland, other teams. Oh my gosh. Critical mass moments. It's, <laughs>
1: it was, I just, I really miss traveling for these games. So it's been really fun because the only two games that I've been to this year have been lions games. And I had never been to a lions game before. I'd never been to Detroit before this year. And in the span of like five weeks, I've been to two games at this point. And the fans that I talked to in the bar beforehand, They were so funny because they were like, we've just like never been here before. Literally, we don't know how to act. We don't know what to do. And so they would just randomly start yelling like playoffs. Like it was almost like a a Tourette's type Mm. of reaction (laughs) in the most endearing possible way. And I met this dad who he was like, I didn't even know I was coming to the game. And my daughter surprised me with tickets when I got off the plane last night. They're right at the 50 yard line. And so I was talking to them. And right before we left, the dad came over and he's like, you know, I didn't want to mention this beforehand, but my wife passed away eight years ago. She was such a big Lions fan and we're here to honor her and it was just so special for you to like have us on the show and blah blah Mm. blah. So then I started crying. There was a lot of crying going on in Detroit. It was so nice.
4: I love that. I need to get Dan Campbell crying really to Feed my soul. I think, one more, I think it's coming. one more win. We might <laughs> get yeah, there. One more win.
1: Dan think Campbell. Coming.
4: I will. I will keep this to thirty seconds.
5: But I woke up in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes. Um, from a like an insane dream where I could tell something like crazy had happened, and then I started. You know, you start to remember it, and I had been in my childhood house with a bunch of male, like, like bro friends. Okay. But I didn't yeah. know any of them in real life, but then my neighbors down the hill. This is like my real childhood house. Dan Campbell was a teacher um, mm. teaching people okay, about seven the Detroit seconds Lions and wrote, <laughs> came up the hill and gave me an assignment to re- do a, re- a book report on the Detroit Lions, and then the dream ended.
1: Stop it. I love dreams. What? I love dream
3: stories.
5: He hit know, it right at 30, <laughs> dream stories. Yeah, he, he nailed right. 30. Dream stories are the worst, but it was football-related, and it left me awake podcast. for like another hour and a half trying to figure out what was happening. There.
1: I love that Dan is visiting you in your dreams.
5: He was large too. It was like the real <laughs> size person, the real sized Dan Campbell. So.
3: That's awesome, uh, Mark.
5: Uh,
3: how are you, buddy? Are you ready for a big W at your next watch party? Uh, well, <laughs> I haven't really thought about that. Uh, but I do want a W. You got any tips?
5: Whether you're cheering on your favorite team or hosting oh, a movie no. night, DeJorno knows planning a winning watch party
3: on a budget isn't easy. I uh, will thank you for that advice, man. I, I get the uh, the anxiety, uh, you know, and I, I know my cess dog. He loves hosting. Uh, hangs with all his work friends, everything needs to be just right. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, the perfect eats,
5: and the perfect plan to keep everyone pumped all night long.
3: <laughs> that's what you always say, man. Perfect eats, uh, perfect squad. Um, that That's your whole thing, uh, keeping everybody pumped up. I, I like to just wing it at parties, you know?
5: No, you need to draw up the perfect plan. Luckily, you're a game-time mastermind, and you know that grabbing a DiGiorno classic crust pizza is one call that brings home a W with half a pound of cheese sauce and other toppings (laughs) at an incredible price. It's your game day. MVP,
3: most valuable pizza. Uh, Thank you for all the sports metaphors. It helps a regular guy like me. So I guess I'll just make the call and have it sent to the house.
5: It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. (laughs) Ah, yes.
3: Well, thanks, Mario. That was good info.
5: I now understand the text that I read during that uh, as, as opposed to before. Um, I sound like I have a gun to my head.
3: Well, I was. It's funny um, putting together a masterful bit like that and send that straight to the Webbies. Um, uh, A rifle time. As I'm listening to it over and over again, I'm like, this this is an angry read. Yeah, this man is angry as he's reading it, and maybe that's why people are really uh, connecting with it uh, because it's so unusual for someone to read an ad about (laughs) pizza like from a grocery store and be furious as they do it. I I wonder if that's
5: why journal's not gotten back to me as I thought. They like I'd never actually heard it. Um, I I think one mistake we make is because we wrap the show uh-huh. and like we've got our coats on and like my car started out in the parking lot. Right, oh, it is. now we need you to read an ad, and so I'm like. Knock it out, baby. It's like Thursday afternoon. It's a little.
3: So it's a little. Yeah, cloudy, I think if I think if we just do well, it maybe by, before by the, the, way, show, gonna, need, that, so. the show, you're gonna get you're gonna get part of me doing that after You need so. me? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And you're gonna get. I'll <laughs> be pleasant and everything. But I've learned actually because
5: <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna. I don't want to sound like that on the next uh,
4: ad spot that I. Well, no, it's, but it's your you thing. didn't
1: have pizza. Yeah. You didn't have the DiGiorno before you had the reads. So I, I feel also like you know need to they got releasing. more pop no. and they
4: just got a whole five minute bit on the show for free. That, that, that This was not like a live read. You're Are like you ready right? for a big W at your next
5: watch party? <laughs> I would say this. I don't know who we're reading these ads for, but we don't see uh, the product or payment for it. So we just simply we do it out of the kindness of our hearts. I know Greg is looking at Dan like, "Don't say that. Don't talk." You know, I get it, but like, we we've never, I've not received any DiGiorno
3: pizzas. I'm letting you cook, just no. like that DiGiorno in the microwave. <laughs> Bye. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's uh let's do some news. Tonight <laughs> there are seventy thousand plus who are screaming against him.
0: Well, that's how many fans I play in front of normally at my house. Pretend like they're all there, but there's zero. But right now.
3: Tony Romo, ladies and gentlemen, didn't know what word was coming next <laughs> as they were tumbling from his mouth.
1: Sometimes you just start talking and you figure out where the journey's going to take you. I don't know who does that, but...
3: <laughs> like, how many people watch that game? In Romo's defense, I guess, I guess we've all been there, but uh, when you're doing that, and in, in addition to the panic of, wait, what am I saying? How do I land this? Oh, I hate when that happens. Knowing that there's, what, like 50 million people? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Problematic. You know that it is. It's difficult.
1: Landing the plane when there's a lot of turbulence like that, it's really rough. Oh.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, the news. Uh, the Titans have a new head coach. Uh, they plan to hire Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Uh, the Pell Rays reported on Monday night. He had a second interview with the team on Monday, <clears throat> and he's staying. He had oh, an interview yeah. scheduled. With the falcons and panthers for their vacant head coaching gigs uh but they decide or he decides i don't need to go anywhere else i like this spot so callahan mark who um had success in cincinnati and i think it probably helped him uh the way the season uh went on after they lost burrow that they remained competitive on offense he ends up uh, getting a gig, and uh, that's what happens with successful organizations—they lose their coordinators.
5: Well, we're we're obviously like getting deeper and deeper into the trend of just younger coaches being made head coaches. He's thirty-nine. Uh, he has already worked with Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow. Obviously, you can throw Derek Carr in there if you want. Um, but he's like a—he's a lifer. Like he's the son of Bill Callahan. It's like he's been around head coaching and around the NFL since like his earliest days. And so I think he's a little bit anonymous just because he's not the guy who was the obvious play caller. He wasn't in Cincinnati, but he's been around football forever. And I mean, I kind of was like tracking some Titan fans reaction to this and they're fired up because I think like the Mike Rabel experience for some kind of hit its wall. And you have this defensive coach who does things his own way. And it feels a little bit like an attempt to modernize the Titans, bring them up to speed with other teams that are offensive based Good good news for Will Levis. They've got the second most cap space in the NFL. But I do wonder, like, does this mean like Bill Callahan comes over to Tennessee, too, and recreates that offensive line to work with his
4: That team? alone would make him worth it, Brian Callahan, if you could bring his dad, Bill Callahan, the best offensive line coach in the entire NFL. He's with the Browns. He so had you could fire him and show him that, Dad, you're not under my <laughs> thumb anymore. Great power play, familial. Uh, that would be amazing. Such a I reaction. Oh, my
5: God. Th-
3: <laughs> what? what?
4: Why would the cool. I guess cool why would move. the Browns let um Bill Callahan do that unless they just wanted to be nice and let him work with or the Or you sun. could you could make him like, you know, assistant. But they coach. they did that even last year. I think they gave him a big raise. I would guess he's, you know, if not the highest paid offensive line coach in the league, uh close. Pe- people love Brian Callahan. I'm sort of over even guessing which of these coaches are going to be good or not when they get hired cuz it's just the most impossible thing to predict. You you made a good point that he hasn't been a play caller, so we don't know his profile too much but we do know like there are, there are only so many of these mcveigh tree guys every year and like everyone wants one now like zach robinson is a guy who's getting uh interviews all over the place for coordinator jobs to to, to bump up a level Z- uh bobby slowick might get one of these head coaching jobs there's like only a couple of them out there and they all eventually get hired at some point i feel like won't this have diminishing returns but it to be fair, it really hasn't yet. They're almost all hitting. It is an offense that's working. I think the, their number one objective, the Titans, was to find a coach to work with Will Levis. They, it really struck me, the owner, Amy Strunk, saying when they asked her what's there to be positive about about this Titans team. And she like went with, oh, we have a quarterback to build around. I was like, oh, okay, that's... That's how they're kind of viewing Will Levis. Like, I get it. He's a first-round pick, but that's they're, they're really looking at him as the guy, and Callahan's going to be the guy to make him better.
1: And for Levis, it's going to be his fourth offense in four different seasons. But Callahan's offense it's going to have, obviously, some similar concepts as Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. And Taylor worked with Levis's former offensive coordinator from Kentucky, Liam Cohn, for a season with the Rams. So there might be some overlap there. But the Titans always had eyes for Callahan. This was like the first candidate that they requested. It was the Mm. first one that they met with virtually. It was the first person that they had in person in the building. And I think it's positive that Callahan has a track record of getting good production out of an offense with a shaky offensive line like he did in Cincinnati because that's exactly the issues that are in Tennessee with that offensive line there. So bringing him in to try and develop Will Levis. I mean, the Titans have never had offensive continuity under Mike Rabel. It was four different offensive Mm. coordinators during that time. So I'm wondering if not only will he bring over his dad from Cleveland, but also will they end up hiring Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator who was let go by Kevin Stefanski at the end of the season? Um, because Van Pelt previously worked in Cincinnati as the quarterbacks coach with Connect Callahan those dots, Connie for two seasons. I went down such a rabbit hole. I Love spent it. way <laughs> too much time on this one. This is why we missed you. He worked directly with Callahan, so they're probably going to share some similar concepts. I came up with a little list of potential offensive wow. coordinators Hopefully. that he could hire, including...
3: Now you're scaring me.
1: Liam Cohn, who is the offensive coordinator at Kentucky. Um, so then maybe they end up keeping their quarterbacks coach, who is in place now in Tennessee, just for like that continuity. Although Liam Cohen
4: seemed to get blamed quite a bit for the 2022 Rams disaster. Fair.
1: Uh, That's fair. For what it's worth. Um, was it his fault? Who knows? We'll find out. Also, Sounds like a
4: fall man to me, bro. Is it
1: Studsville? <laughs> Eric Studsville?
4: Studsville. I like Dudes. to call He's him been around
1: Studsville. Studsville.
4: Former yeah. interim head coach of the Denver Broncos. Let's not objectify the coaches, Connie.
1: Well, Studsville. <laughs> Studsville. and not the co-OCs? He was. He was the, the co-offensive coordinator. Yeah, let's he's keep been getting o-
3: deeper. Keep
1: going. Okay. So he's survived multiple <laughs> coaching regimes in Miami. He's been the running backs coach, the run game coordinator, the deeper. co-offensive coordinator and Callahan and Studesville spent six seasons together with the Broncos. So there's also that connection there. You, nice. could also you mentioned Derek Carr, by the right. way, how he spent Go. time with To him. the core of the yeah. earth. <laughs> you could just like throw him in, but you might remember that he helped Derek Carr reach his first 4,000 yard pass. Passing season, so did that. wow!
3: Look at you can, that, Connie. You can leave now if you want because that's I, an incredible amount of heavy lifting.
1: I have nothing else to offer you guys. <laughs> I ran out of time on the rest. That was good. That was more than
3: we could. have We got to move on, but I just, I will just throw out there: it's not a Desmond Ritter situation, but you know they have the seventh overall pick. We're definitely all in on Will Levis. We're just all in. I don't think you should be. I think you should have. I know he had some pretty nice moments, but just see what falls to you at seven because you know, you can do a lot, which is tricky obviously, because if you, you take a quarterback, he was the 33rd overall pick last year. If you take another quarterback, you're not only kind of punting on that. You're also passing up a chance to add a major piece around him on the offensive line or as a playmaker. So I get why you probably are going to be in on Levis, but not a perfect prospect. Never was.
4: I, I agree with being in on him from not in terms of not drafting another young guy. Add a veteran to the mix that is going to be a a decent backup. That's option. a good plan too. I just have a plan. Have a have a backup. Plan, and then this is plan. this is the year for that. This is the year for that.
3: Um. In other new. By the way, you know I have a tremendously close relationship with my father, Mark.
4: Yes, it's evident.
3: Um, Humble brag.
4: But the idea. <laughs>
1: we all know that. Why are you just singling out Mark? It's, but I'm like, just,
4: but, it's like, hey, guys <laughs> who don't really get that along with your dad, I'm going to make you feel bad now. <laughs> I'm just pointing out,
3: like, if I was appointed yeah. to the top of the company and had a chance to just be like, Dad, you know, every generation, like, you know, we, we build. And that would be my opportunity to say, Dad, we got to let you go. That's all. And And imagine being at IBM, Mark, during your dad's time there getting promoted to I'm vice think about president it all the time being able to call your dad and be like dad you can't tell me what to do anymore in fact get the f- out of your office you're gone Yo, i don't
5: have <laughs> give him a box like this i don't like this that you know <laughs>
1: feels like something you personally might need to unpack a little yeah. bit more with you Suzanne, can try to turn maybe. it on me
3: i'm just saying this is an opportunity that young callahan has i i wouldn't do it to my father i'm just saying he might want to if they and, don't have and a we don't. we
5: don't know like, what that relationship is. And, and the, to the point of the people that he works with for six or seven years, maybe, uh-huh. he, you know, maybe Brian Canahan like Colleen, just burns people out. Right. Maybe the father burns everyone out. You know,
3: right. know. And now Dad? it's power rank relationships with our dads. Okay. Oh. So, Colleen, you we, and we Ed, are in unbelievable. A, like,
1: unbelievable race for the top seed.
3: I won't do that. We don't need to unpack that w-
5: stuff. Wait, you're just like, you don't even ah! know. You don't even inquire about this. It'll take,
4: like, until the ninth month of therapy for the, for dance therapist to be like, why is it your greatest wish to fire your own father? What is, what is this really about? Guys,
1: I'm bringing my dad to the Super Bowl. You'll Ooh, be able to hang exciting. out with him there. And we're going to go to the right. red carpet honors together. It's going to be great. We love that. Are you going to bring your dad?
3: I've done it four times. Mm. All right, let's. Who's brought their dad to the Super Bowl? I, I have as well, yeah. I have not. But there were extenuating circumstances around some of that. So Let's dig in on that. No, no
0: let's, let's move absolutely
3: on. absolutely
5: not. Everyone right. who uh,
0: appears.
3: The Chargers... Uh, and Jim Harbaugh are now in striking distance of getting a deal. You know who that's from? Mike G. Mike Garafolo. And you know you could trust it. So uh, the Los Angeles
4: Chargers, after saying bye to Brandon Staley, they decide it is time uh, to get. Serious. We think they decide. It's always it's Harbaugh who's had some crazy stories over the years. Also, striking been, distance is interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes he's been at the finish line. So I'm going to give this like an eighty percent chance, ninety percent chance. All right. Well, because Mike G. is. Implicitly putting that 10% in that report.
3: So Jim Harbaugh, Respectful. who's had great success everywhere he's gone from college uh, to the pros, back to college and now coming back to the pros, it looks like, uh, gets a beautiful canvas to work on. Uh, maybe not the perfect Chargers roster, but not, certainly not a bad one either. And most importantly, he comes back to the NFL uh, with a quarterback that if he hasn't quite reached superstar status yet, obviously has that potential potential. Uh, with Justin Herbert. I think everyone that likes Herbert and is frustrated by the arc of his career so far has to be happy about this news, especially Bolt's fans.
1: AFC West, the head coaches are going to be wild if that happens. You're going to have Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, Andy Reid, and then Antonio Pierce, which is a wild card because you just don't know his track record. But still, those other three head coaches in one division makes those division games so much Mm. more fun.
4: I I also, I'm hesitant here to get too deep into what it all means. And I'm a little worried about this Aaron Wilson report, uh, who does good work for the Houston Chronicle, or was there, now he covers the Texans, for another outlet. He he said Greg Roman would be the offensive coordinator, which is like, mm. Greg Roman, I don't need more Greg. Not Roman. a fan I of feel,
3: uh, Greg Rosenthal, never been a Greg Roman No, guy, I, but I, he's way.
4: a very interesting coordinator who you you sort of can't write the... The history of the last 20 years in the NFL without him because he led to... That, that Colin Kaepernick offense was totally different than anything we'd ever seen, and he did a great job with Alex Smith, too, initially. And it could not have, like, crashed and burned uh, harder. And then the same thing happened with Lamar Jackson where it's very one-dimensional. Just, just like, imagining that, I guess, I'm, I guess I have a little bit of scar But it crashes scar-tition. and burns we'll because it comes from a very... It's speeding at a high yes. rate before that. Look,
3: he was the OC of that 2019 that's what I'm Raven saying. Team. and yeah, then, But then so. they
4: never sort of developed or had answers. They weren't like a complete offense. But we'll see if this happens because Jim Harbaugh is different than than other people. And he, supposedly he was really close to getting that Vikings job in 2022. And then the Wilfs, and a, at some point, I think, couldn't stand being in the same room with Jim Harbaugh and all the demands he was making. And it blew up in his face and he didn't end up getting that job. And he promised. He said, I'm done chasing NFL jobs. Never going to do it again right after that. The very next year, he tries to get the Broncos job. He's reported to be close to getting that job. The Broncos didn't want to hire him either. Again, after he's like, actually, no, I didn't want that job. Um, I'm going to stay at Michigan forever. And so, like, now here we are again. They're they're close. It's like, I don't know. What is he going to demand? Supposedly, according to Mike Garofalo, they are offering a lot of money and probably all the control that he wants. So I think he found his his spot that he will take, but you never know with this guy. He's a little uh, erratic.
5: Well, there is one thing though, because the Chargers are a special team in a strange situation eternally, because they're in Los Angeles as the undercard always, and their stadiums are filled with the enemy fan base game after game, and Harbaugh changes that a lot. I think Harbaugh would juice up the Chargers in a way that you know Brandon Staley never could, anyone from the past never could. And he had to work with Alex Smith out of the gate in San Francisco and turned him into a pristine quarterback before they switched over. I think him and Justin Herbert, like I don't know if I see a two or three year crash and burn thing. Although the Greg Roman thing is, I thought the relationship by the end of all that was a little funky right. too. We'll so, see what this all happens. But, that, but I'm, I'm not worried about it's Greg Roman fun. right
4: now at this point. We'll no, see what happens. It's kind of fun to imagine Harbaugh no. with... Uh, Dustin Herbert. There's all these like
1: old Greg Roman headlines that I just pulled up from 2013. Why is his play calling holding back the Niners? And I'm sure we could go and find multiple other things with Greg Roman. But the fact that Jim Harbaugh is going to be back in the NFL, it's like, I'll I'll believe it when it actually happens. but it will be
3: spicy. It will be, it's great. It'll be fun. It's great great for the NFL. It's great for this podcast. It's great for the chargers, at least in the short term, I think. Um, great news uh, for Raiders fans that did not want Antonio Pierce to be, uh, only an interim coach because they decide to rip that interim label off and it will be Antonio Pierce who will be the full-time head coach, uh, rap sheet and Mike G reported this on Friday for sources. The team later announced it, uh, Pierce, uh, took over for Josh McDaniels and it was just an absolute <clears throat> circus there and a non-competitive, uh, just trash bag operation as Mark would say. Floating trash bag, as they say. Or as he says, only Mark. You're a unique man, Mark. Yeah, I mean, you're allowed to you put those words together in the same way I as well. Can't do it the way you do it, Mark. Pierce's hiring comes after he coached Raiders to five wins in those final nine games. And uh, that along Cess dog with his uh, very vocal, fiery style and, and the players latching on to him. And him being essentially the antithesis of what McDaniels was. I think all that kind of came together and and got him this job.
5: I don't think it's just bells and whistles in terms of how the players responded to him. I mean, they they were a different defense down the stretch. I think it matters. I think we're seeing this all over the place. Like, these coaches need to relate to these players in a different way. Meetings need to happen differently. And there was this drumbeat with Josh McDaniels of, like, why is he not getting along with this important guy and this important guy? And there's all these, like, behind-the-scenes whispers that this is just not working. So this is, like... When you have one relationship and you just go to another and you go to someone completely different, Antonio Pierce couldn't be any more different than Josh McDaniels. But I think the hard work begins now because it's like nice idea to put O'Connell in there for a bunch of time last year. Jimmy G is Jimmy G and that thing flamed out. It's like, you've got to figure out who you're going to be because you can't be one of these teams in a power heavy AFC with a maybe-he-works-quarterback, maybe-he-gets-us-six-wins type of guy. So it's like a nice story now turns into the acid test.
4: We still got to find out who the GM is. Don't know that. Mm -hmm. There's uh, reporting that Marvin Lewis will be involved in the staff, kind of in a over helping Pierce out. He apparently actually was getting help from Pierce. Uh, he might have been on the staff last year and we didn't really know after Pierce came aboard. Like Lewis. an odd costume? Yeah, uh no. And like, uh <laughs> you know, advisory role and Tom Coughlin helping. in case he, he says he he knows what he doesn't know and, and needs some help. Maybe help filling out the staff, all this different stuff. And I'm curious to see what the staff looks there. Zach Robinson, again, another McVay guy is getting interviewed for the OC job. That That would be promising. I just think it's it should not be lost because we didn't hit it on this podcast that Max Crosby put it out there <laughs> that he will request the trade if Antonio Pierce doesn't get hired. I love it. And that. then like a day later, Antonio Pierce was hired. <laughs> so I just think by the transitive rule, Max Crosby runs the team now. Yes. He's he, the GM. <laughs> he's the GM. He's the <laughs> owner. He does it all. <laughs> he uh, He's going to be like looking at the tax receipts from the restaurants inside the, it's all Max Crosby. I love, it. Really love Antonio Pierce. My He's God. moving all
1: the strings. I just, I'm wondering about the, <laughs> offensive, me? you don't
4: hire
3: him?
1: The wow. philosophy there. <laughs> if they do end up going with like a McVay guy, if it is going to still be like a run first, like with a bunch of play action type concepts. And if he does end up hiring an OC, like from McVay or Shanahan going forward, but I think three out of their five offensive line starters are free agents Mm. and Josh Jacobs too. So they have, they really got to hire a GM because they have a lot of questions that they need to, they might keep Champ
4: Kelly who who was there too. And they are letting go of the previous offensive staff, which did a better job. I'd keep an eye on Tom Telesco.
5: There's reporting that like, if you're Mark Davis wants, like, because you're a rookie head coach, like a GM with, Experience and he's someone they've talked to. And so, Multiple I mean, Tom Telesco,
1: to yeah. I thought he did a
5: good job in it, with, the, with the Chargers in the terms of like stockpile, And also, the Chargers, we didn't mention before, of like the second biggest cap red space issue right now of any team in the league. So, the Chargers, yes. So, you know, he left them in, some, in a bit of a fix too.
3: Um, yes. I think the Mark Davis and company have dreams of this being the next Dan Campbell hire. Man, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And, you know, the Chargers. still in the same division as the chiefs it's good luck uh to antonio pierce and the raiders uh on to philadelphia connie Mm. it looks like uh nick sirianni will survive the epic flame out to 2023 uh, but he is cleaning house along the staff so sean desai the dc he gone after being booted upstairs matt patricia he gone. he gone. He decides to uh, pursue other opportunities. Uh, they got rid of the OC. Now, who's the OC? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. He, he gone. gone. So it's it's that move, Connie, where they decide, what are we going to do? Are we going to fire the coach? Or are we just going to clean house under the coach and give him one more shot? And that's where they're going with it.
1: God, what a weird. You agree weird, with that? Uh, no. I mean, no. I think that the team pretty much like quit on the coaching staff, whatever the main issue was, because it really reminded me of that Chargers Raiders game the night before Brandon Staley was fired Mm. when the Chargers defense completely gave up. And that's what it looked like watching the Eagles trying to tackle. Like no one was even trying. And I know that Sirianni's (laughs) record, exactly. His record with the team is good and he was just at the Super Bowl last year and you have players doing the Max Crosby thing like Fletcher Cox coming out and standing by their man and and really like kind of pleading to Jeffrey Laurie for him to stay I think but watching Jeffrey Laurie at that last game against the Bucks like I thought for sure that Sirianni Same. was going to be gone that was it so I'm kind of surprised that he's sticking around, but it seems like he's sticking around on an extremely short leash. I don't know what happened between, like, where the friction was with Jalen Hurts and the offensive staff as well, because it wasn't just the defense. The offense, too, was just not doing what it was supposed to be doing. And when you return nine of your 11 starters on offense and you have an MVP runner-up as the quarterback and you have two incredible wide receivers and a really good tight end and one of the best offensive lines in the league you should absolutely be able to do more than they did.
4: I have, yeah. I have a theory. What? I've been workshopping this. What if it's just all inexplicable? Like football results, like literally no one knows. Why did that all happen? There actually isn't a reason. Other than maybe they didn't adjust enough offensively. And that that's a big thing. Like everyone who's into the X's and O's is like, they just ran back the same offense as they did a year ago. But to be fair, like the offense was kind of fine until the last three weeks of the season it was pretty good until the last three weeks of the season. And then they joined the defensive collapse and just like, and then an intangible thing. I know that's what I mean though. But what if like literally no one knows? I think that's possible. That's like, I don't know why this team fell apart. Totally. Like there, like there isn't a reason.
1: It's just the opposite of momentum. Is it an unsolved mystery?
4: Like it for the next segment.
1: (laughs) I was thinking about
4: that.
3: Rosenthal, but that is a mystery. One of the great mysteries. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the
5: owner...
4: Because no
3: one's talking.
5: Lori just threw up
4: his hand. He doesn't know. And them keeping Sirianni, maybe they at least don't know the answer. So they're just like, gosh, we... I I think they like like Nick Sirianni.
1: They could blame it on the new coordinators, sure. Like, that's a huge difference, but still. That's
3: the easy move. That's the move when you don't want to go. It's a half measure is what it feels like to me. And what happens when they start two and six next year? Not saying they will, but then you lose another whole season for a coach that you already saw. Last year, they already told you they don't want to play for him. So it's a, it's a big gamble. I think it's a massive gamble, Connie, yeah. to bring him back when, if it doesn't work next year, you're going to, there's going to be a ton of second guessing. So this is first guessing. Um, saying, hey, like this is your fault that you lost another year here because they told you by the way they played that they were done with this head coach.
1: And I have to look at the cap space and I have to look at the free agents for next year too. I don't know what type of shape they're even in, but they have
4: a lot of big decisions to make.
1: Cause it seemed like last year they did and they just made it work and it looked like it was going to be good. And Mark, it just wasn't,
4: I don't like teams <clears throat> that have their
5: third OC and third DC in three seasons. Mm-hmm. Like for a team that a year ago were like, they're so consistent. Their front office is so forward thinking it seems like well, whatever. In fairness, they lost the first
3: two because they went to the Super Bowl.
5: No, I mean, but it's yeah. still transition. Yes, it's still transition, and it's like I, I kind of feel like when Doug Peterson refused to make staff changes before his yeah. exit, that it doesn't feel like this. Coaches don't want to fire their own guys, their own assistants, even even with the decide thing where you want to say like they're loyal to the dudes for the most part. Like you don't, you Unless don't. Unless they're to, getting
3: fired. But
5: that, but I'm yeah. saying I think it was yeah. Lori probably saying you're here. On, you're obviously on the, 11, the 11th, the eleventh hour here, Sirianni. But like you've got us clean house. And I think you could lose the rest of your staff by doing that. The players already have issues. Like, it's a chaotic swirl for the Eagles in this offseason.
4: They could look a lot different. It all well, changed is the after staff, Big
1: Dom, so that, that might be it. That's fair. Big, Big
4: Dom goal. did come back for the playoffs, and that was... Maybe their worst game. I mean, mean, he was he on the didn't get any Better, yeah, he was yeah. back on the sideline for the
5: play. Well, I guess the trigger it just postseason. <laughs> it was like, just right the regular This <laughs> didn't count. In the postseason. It's ridiculous. Well, at least
3: that killed that theory. You can't spend all offseason right. thinking.
5: Put Bear. the
2: guy
3: back on the. But the you know, moment the he, line. he he put hands on that player is really when it began. That's fair. Yeah, hubris. Get yeah. Hubris, you know. That uh, could be a, that could be a seventy year curse, Colin. You just know. You
4: never know what those things. Right. Don't
1: get get that juju off of me, <laughs> Gross.
4: You know who's interviewing for the Eagles defensive coordinator job, among other people. Who? Ron Rivera. Wow. I'm just Ron like, wow, this guy picture. loves ball. Stays in the picture. <laughs> he doesn't need the money, but he loves ball. Let's
3: spin the coach's carousel, by the way. Let's wrap this up. Um, the Jaguars, uh, Jaguars hire former Fal- oh. Uh-oh. This is a good transition to our next segment. Mm-hmm. They hire former Falcons DC Ryan Nielsen. So he's there, going to run the show there. Shane Waldron lands with the Bears. He's their new OC. So he's got gonna have a lot of eyes on him so there's two more and then in the front office ranks the carousel spins as well dan morgan hired by the panthers mm. as their gm he was previously the assistant gm uh under the previous dude scott Scott Pitter. fitterer who was fired after the panthers went two and fifteen i do have a statement this is not tepper b talking mm. but this is an episode of tepper b a release in a statement <laughs>
5: okay okay <laughs> now that works
3: all right, here we go. Dan has a thorough knowledge of our football <laughs> personnel and a clear vision to take us where we all want to go. We know he will attack this opportunity with the same intensity he did as a Panthers player. He was a linebacker or something. He
4: what do 20? you mean or something? He was like one of the best I'm linebackers sorry. in the oh league. Oh, my God. Hey, if someone said that about uh, CJ Mosley, I would uh, say like. Stick it to me. Stick it to me. You'd, it to you'd, me. you'd get mad. Stick it to me, Rosenthal. Those concussions, though. He, had, he was kind of a poster boy for too many concussions and it ruined his career. Uh, Great. Well, had, that's the guy I want running my football had, team. Had to, had to, I'm surprised that they stayed in-house. <laughs> Great. Considering. Are you? Yes. I'm Be- not. Because it's like things... Because they interviewed Cause nobody everyone. wants to I think Tepper's <laughs> like, I want someone who's going to follow my
5: orders. I mean, also, I mean... Fair. Morgan, like, rose up through the ranks to become like the director of pro personal of the Seahawks during their big run, he was with the bills. So, I mean, he's not being pulled out of nowhere, but I am not that surprised. It didn't surprise me that Tepper couldn't go
4: get a powerful experienced <laughs> no. candidate from outside the go. building. They, when he, he needs people simply to follow his orders. They had a, yeah. Like they me. did like seven or eight interviews. They've had so many second interviews with head coaches that it's almost not worth listening. We'll see who they end up hiring. I, wa- I want Ron Rivera going back there. That seems perfect. He can handle it. He he dealt with Snyder. He's already been in the building. He knows where the bathrooms are. The the Waldron news to me is the biggest here. Nielsen did a great job, I think, for the Falcons overall with the talent. Yeah. That's a nice hire for them. But uh, the Waldron news is big because, we, first of all, we heard this news that maybe Cliff was interviewing for that job. I'm glad they didn't hire Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury's interviewing around. Waldron takes that job, I think, knowing he's got the number one overall pick. And I think Waldron did... Uh, overall, very good job. Another McVay tree guy in Seattle the last couple of years with Geno Smith. You know, Dave Canales got so much pop moving to Tampa and being the QB coach. It was Shane Waldron who was running that offense the last three years. And and for the most part, I think he's a a good play caller. He he is balanced like they were creative enough. I know they weren't like incredible, but they were good. And he's probably going to be working with Caleb Williams or, or Drake May, whoever they choose. And
1: then when he was with golf... Goff had two of his best seasons as a passer when Waldron was the Rams' passing game coordinator and quarterback's coach in 2018-2019. So it's like who's he going to be calling plays for? We don't know if it's Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, but they hired someone who's going to maximize the talent on that roster and they need someone who's going to create a little bit more of a balanced
4: They balance. didn't wait they didn't wait cuz this coaching process is taking forever for all these teams. It's never taken this long. And so they snapped up someone quick that I think would have been in all of these interviews. Once head coaching guys got hired and he took it. Cause he's like coaching the number one overall pick. That's how I get a head coaching job next year. We'll I think they took, surprised. they brought in Cliff Kingsbury and a bit of trickery just
5: to get some Kayla Will- Williams information. Oh, Cliff thought he's getting probably. flown into town for a steak lunch. And it's like, we're just going to pick your brain and then send you back home.
3: doesn't seem nice.
1: I'm sure he got just a theory. Though.
3: I don't, it's not a report. It's a cutthroat situation.
4: Just like you calling the old man into the office. You got a little vacation. Handed him huh? a cardboard Dad, box. Take a seat. I feel like based on Cliff's house, <laughs> it's going to be a tough conversation. He doesn't need steak dinners to be paid for. He's good. He's talking to the Steelers about their OC job, according to Peter King. Mm. About that. Any other Cliff Kingsbury news? Negative. We're good. All right. That's what's
3: happening in the news. All right. Uh, what is that? Hey, what is this award that we're trying to win? What, one of the shadowy league figures sent a text like, hey, idiots like,
4: Try to win this award, like plug it on the show. This is this is why we we know we've made it. It only matters so much to us. Uh, it sports is the, podcast the sports podcast awards that <laughs> Kali Let's Wolf go. has hosted. It's a UK property. That's we're, right. We're I'll nominated for uh, Best <laughs> American Football Podcast. I and mean, we got to win that
3: award. Listen, we don't ask for much from the listeners, but where is that? Can you tell us, uh, Eric, where they can go vote? For uh, for around the NFL, let's bring home
4: a trophy. Who are we up it's been against? A while. Europe, come yeah,
1: on, yeah, that's matter. what I want to know. Yeah,
4: it looks like it's on sportspodcastgroup.com. Okay, yes. and then it's yeah, it's under the Best American Football Podcast. Just and vote for us. Yep.
3: That's all. let's let's take a chip.
4: I'll throw it up on uh, well, all the all the socials, IG. So oh, make it nice and easy. We're Everybody going against listening. Eisen Overreaction Monday, which I guess is a separate thing from his show, but Eisen's in the mix. Uh, Shannon Sharp and and Ocho Cinco are in the mix her huddle if you're if you had multiple votes i would you know i would her huddles you know that those are friends of ours god bless football <laughs> with stugats who took some shots at you. Uh, Sessy made it. Sessler. I <laughs> mean, That's a, a chance to get revenge. Guy. Neil Reynolds and Jeff Reinbold oh. inside the huddle we're going against. We're like friends with that. I almost went on
1: their pod.
4: Matt <laughs> Coombs, uh, PFF NFL, the fantasy footballers who we had on. There's too many people we know. <laughs> Why but are we plugging us. them as options? Know, no, just go vote for us. They're not options.
1: Dan's going to have to talk to you <laughs> after the <terrible> show.
4: <laughs> there are a ton of options in every one of these categories, but there's obviously only one number one option. We can't win the... The overseas best
3: American football podcast.
1: I'm voting right now. Well, you know what I'm, you know, what I'm doing. I'm pulling a Max Crosby.
3: If we don't win that award, <laughs> I quit. Okay,
4: and I maybe. will. I will also quit. <laughs> well, what about? We go. What if you learn that these awards have been? This is the third year when we have not yet. To, this is our first time being nominated. First nomination. So what's we, going on? We man? we did not win the awards previously. Assuming this category, you're you gonna
3: quit if we don't win. No. No, that was a nice plan. He's he's setting it up. Well done, Greg. What? We're going to lose the award and then Mark and I will quit and then it'll be your show.
4: (laughs) I don't want anyone to quit. I think. um, Well done. I I think it's all (laughs) very strategic. It's all good. Strategy. All right. Let's. uh, No, let's win.
3: Mark and I are out if we don't win. Did
1: you guys vote? I just voted.
3: And this isn't this isn't like uh, I'm
5: not even going to vote because I don't want to... Def- yeah
3: yeah. No, don't eat it. That, I was going to vote. It's in the uh, hands of the listeners. Wow. That's glorious. All right. Yes. It's like um,
1: when you lose by two votes, that's going to suck. We're gone.
3: <laughs> in fact, you know what? We're going to do the move. We're going to do the election move from a few years ago. We're leaving the country as well. Yep. We're going to Canada.
5: Or some other country, but yes. Mexico. If I mean, if we're we'll truly leaving, we'll get a condo. If we're starting over. It may not be Canada.
1: Well, let's go to Mexico. Now you call. Now I'm going with you guys for some reason.
3: (laughs) All right.
5: Colleen's out too.
3: Is that what you want? All right. Let's take a break. And uh, then we're going to dig into some scary territory.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... This program is about unsolved mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual family members and police officials have participated in recreating the events. What you are about to see is not a news broadcast.
3: Whenever you heard the voiceover, it was like, get out the blanket. Make sure the back door is locked.
1: (laughs) I hated it. (laughs) Hated it.
3: It is time now to explore some unsolved mysteries of the NFL playoffs and beyond. And you know what, Mark, you're a big conspiracy guy. Some mysteries don't want to be solved, you know, and then they take on a whole life of their own so maybe that's how this ends and it's always because you always wanted at the end of the ep of uh, with stack and company you want an update and then oh, you, wanted, that you wanted closure visceral reaction to that when that happens so there's a frustration because we won't have any update at the end of this episode not that we know of but we're going to put it out there what what needs to be solved what's out there what is out there what was your favorite type of unsolved mystery episode i I like the uh, paranormal ghost lady on the lake type stuff. So
1: Oh my god, I hated that. Yeah. If, I hate it.
5: If you go and cause the, you know, now there's like the channel that has like its unsolved mysteries yeah. like, nonstop one like um that channel. They they do there's a big problem with, with unsolved mysteries in general is that they have to go recreate with like typically low level actors right and it's it's a lot of them become unwatchable but my favorite plot line
3: that made it more watchable for me but to each their own
5: yeah. well yeah uh it was variable i mean i to me even as a child for some reason i always liked the guy that was living like multiple lives in different states back before the internet where it's that like checks out well, i'm just saying like <laughs> it's it's it, it is incredible micromanaging yes. skills but oh also yeah. like it was always some business guy that wasn't accountable to anyone like able to have like situation in Iowa, situation somewhere in like Northern California, flipping back between the, because all the rest like ghost stories and murders and it's like cool. But like that one to me was like, weren't you so mad when the internet came and it made the world smaller? You more? can't do it. You can't do any. <laughs> uh, that guy doesn't exist anymore. What happens
1: when a family member is on Unsolved Mysteries?
3: Mm. Did that happened for you?
1: We've talked about it <laughs> oh, on the show before. yeah.
3: <laughs> he was on the, on the show?
1: John's grandfather disappeared in Vegas in the 80s and his family was interviewed on unsolved mysteries because they still it's still a cold case they never found his body they found his car at the airport
2: Mm, at mccarran
1: and his name was not on any of the flight manifests and the we actually got the police reports from vegas and it reads like a whodunit yeah
4: i thought john was working on like an eight-part podcast about this
1: well, we'll see.
4: I would, I would listen the hell out of that. Oh yeah.
1: Sometimes I just Podcast. like, yeah, his, uh, his nineteen eighty eight Cadillac was found at the airport, but no evidence of him taking a flight.
3: I, I like to think he's, he's somewhere in Mexico right now. You know yeah, what? Right? that yeah. would
1: be
5: exactly. the, 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 brighter end of the rainbow there.
3: You know what the worst episodes were? I haven't seen my sister in fifty years since we were split up at the orphanage. Don't care.
5: Yeah, and then they reunite and just like massive nice. snooze fest, cool. raging happy for you, but. Yeah. Not for me. I
1: saw one where it was, like, talking care. about someone po- spontaneously combusted and just, like... I like that. And I... It, it shook me for my entire life. I was, like, at some point, am I just going to, like, <laughs> light on fire and die?
4: It's possible.
1: I didn't know until Unsolved Mysteries.
4: Um, all right.
3: Here we go. Let's get into it. Greg, it's time to unpack some Unsolved Mysteries. Did you have anything to share? Do you ever have a family member on Unsolved Mysteries. I have not. Nor have I.
5: Have you ever watched the show? I have not. Okay. What? I was sort of sensing Greg sitting back there a little bit, but that's fair. You, you don't, don't have, have any
1: connection it. to Robert Stack? I, I can't, oh,
4: can't tell. Greg. I have not seen it. <laughs>
1: I'm born so age 32. Disappointed. He
4: is being Standing honest. up. He's being honest. That's no true. one watched <laughs> more TV than me from ages 7 to 12. I challenge you all. Um, it's not all right. The program. That's okay, though. You don't need to know
3: it. We've talked about it enough on the show for you to be aware of the program by now. (laughs) Anyway, so I'll start. Um, Are are we about in Atlanta to galaxy brain our way out of uh, having Bill Belichick as the head coach? Is that where we're at? The Athletic reported on Tuesday morning that Mike Vrabel is expected to interview for the vacant uh, head coaching vacancy. When that happens, he will be the 14th person to do so. This I love this on Sunday. Fourteen <laughs> you scored two touchdowns of interviews <laughs> on Sunday with the extra points. Uh, uh, on Sunday they knocked out two in one day. They got Texans OC Bobby Slowick, Detroit OC Ben Johnson. Uh, these guys had like playoff games. Do you think they were like how efficient could that have been? At what kind of interview could that have been? Those uh, take
5: a long time too. Yeah,
3: like those guys on. weren't able to prepare for those interviews. What's the what's the point? I don't I don't get it. Anyway. Uh, Rooney rule they are all over that as well they've interviewed six minority candidates Uh, the only guy so far of that group to get a second interview will be Raheem Morris and that will happen this week so that all takes us back to Bill and he has met with the Falcons twice Uh, most recently on Friday this again per the athletic in a meeting that included Arthur Blank the owner team CEO Rich McKay team president Greg Beatles GM Terry Fontenot uh, and and yet he doesn't have the job. It hasn't been offered. Bill hasn't taken any other formal interviews. Mm-hmm. And I think this would be a horrendous decision by the Falcons. I think it's a home run hire, but they're at least because of the depth, Greggy. Of uh, how how deep they're going in this, it's not for show. It, they're they're really
4: wrestling with the decision, or they've outright passed on Belichick. They're. According to the coaching tracker on NFL.com, people should check that out. There's been eight second interviews, or scheduled or completed, eight second interviews. When does it become too much? By the way, FYI. Or,
1: well, I think it, I think we're already there. I
4: think <laughs> like, at what point? Do you, <laughs> when we're paralysis by this analysis? Way. When yeah. does that set in? I think I think the the mystery here is does does anyone really want Belichick? Because The reporting around Belichick from the outside sounds like the reporting that you would get if there actually wasn't much interest in Bill Belichick and that his agent is using his connections to make it sound like Bill Belichick has a lot of interest. Oh, the Falcons are are after him so hard. He's their number one pick. All this is happening. Okay, well, look, look what's actually happening. And then there's some pushback. That like no, actually the Falcons are looking at a million people. He's might not be the number one pick. It's a weird setup. Oh, there's other teams that ha- that are really um interested in him, I- including one that's still in the playoffs. You know, if if um if they lose and but they're circling him. It's like okay, let's see it because there's only five openings left and they all seem to be circling different people. I think the mystery uh, or possibly the solution here is that Bill Belichick doesn't really have that big of a market.
1: What if he doesn't want it? What if he is the one who is lukewarm on coming back? What if he wants to do a Sean Payton type year and just do take a time Well, then he would interview
4: twice for this job, though. Well, but, but to your point, maybe... Maybe he's,
1: like, on the fence, though.
4: Right. Maybe they, maybe even they did want it, but he doesn't want to be reporting to Rich McKay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right. and that's the setup there, or whatever the setup's going to be. Right. Like, Belichick, I think, is probably very driven to get
5: that Don Shula mark beaten. I mean, from one angle... But from another angle, like they really sort cert- like they characterized it not as an interview with Arthur Blank. They they talked. And I think a lot of it is Belichick saying, Look, it I don't care who anyone is, like I've been I'm the greatest coach around, maybe not in those words, obviously, but like here's how I structure my front office, here's how, how I've been doing things. I've been doing it for twenty plus years and the results speak for themselves. Like if you're gonna put up put up blockades and make me at my age change and do things in a Falcons way when the Falcons have nothing to show for it, like this doesn't fit for me. I could see it where he is peacefully saying I could wait a year or I don't have, I'm not going to jump into the wrong situation. We don't know right. what the Falcons agree with presented
3: to him. And the Raiders um, went after Tom Brady a few years back and, and then the bucks got him and there wasn't a huge market for Tom Brady. Otherwise, I think this is that same thing all over again, but with a head coach, like take a chance on bill, like being more motivated than ever and getting the greatest, most successful coach in NFL history. I think it would be a huge mistake Uh, by the nfl on the level of the lamar jackson situation if you let this hiring cycle go by and everyone ends like nah he's not going to be for us
4: yeah but lamar jackson wasn't coming off of two awful seasons
3: uh well they weren't high level seasons by his standards no they
4: were all they were bad he did a bad then he got hurt both years and missed the end of the season oh lamar i mean lamar was playing well my point is Bill Belichick did a bad job at what his job was the last two seasons. And it is a, what have you done for you me You can lately? say that about
3: Tom Brady. It's all relative, but he was a guy that appeared to be in decline no, the but, last couple of years e- there. But
4: even there, like those guys are playing at a level that's much higher than the average performer. I would say it's fair to point out Belichick did not coach and run that organization in an average way the last two seasons. That's the between thing. Between the Patricia year and, and what. But I, uh, this is my point. My yeah. point is
3: if people are going to look at how the end of the Patriots run went after Tom Brady left, um, I think you're you're overthinking it when you have an opportunity to give him a fresh start. And listen, go hire some 37-year-old offensive coordinator that's never been a coach. Be the Raiders and hire a guy in Antonio Pierce that was an interim coach that was coaching high school the year before. That's all cool if you want to do that, but like, the idea of it's fair of uh, talking yourself out of Belichick, I just I think it's a possibility of a huge. I think thing.
5: when you've rooted for a team where you've never had a Bell Belichick or anyone anything close to him as a coach, y- your mind's going to like why not take a and shot to the point at this?
3: You made uh, earlier in news. It's not even a trend anymore. It's the way it is. Everyone wants to get the young guy now, and you want. It's like you want him to almost be the face. Of your organization, I think that's one of the reasons. Like, my team, Robert Stiles, still has a job. They like the way he looks, they like the way he presents himself. And Belichick is like a quarterback, s- like a 72 year old frumpy guy that's grumpy with the media and all that. Like, maybe he's that's
4: part of his problem now, too. He doesn't look the part the NFL has changed. Well, and like, what is his plan? Because there was reporting from Washington Post, other grumpy places. and grumpy. That his staff could include Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, and Joe Judge. Oh my God! But that's—I think (laughs) that's—I think that's a little concerning. Absolutely, Absolutely. (laughs) yes.
3: I can't deny that. All right, God, uh, Connie, okay, give us an unsolved mystery of the NFL.
1: Okay, so this is a team that has given up 400 yards in three games, three straight games, um, defensively. They've given up 74 plays of 20-plus yards this season, Mm. which is the third worst in the entire league. Um, They've had six different quarterbacks throw for over 300 passing yards against them, and only the Jags' defense was worse this season. But the Lions are still in, and their defense is just such a mystery to me because their run defense is... Incredible. They've only allowed one 100 yard rusher this entire season, and it was a quarterback. It was Justin Fields. The most a running back had against them in a game 69 yards. That was Ty Chandler in week 18. Ty Chandler. Their run defense is awesome. Aaron Glenn is getting all sorts of head coaching interviews. The players absolutely love him. They just do one thing really well, and then everything mm. else they're just kind of mediocre in or bad in. They're bottom 10 in sacks. They're the middle of the pack in total yards, bottom 10 in points allowed, middle of the pack in takeaways. How are they doing it? How is this working?
4: Lions magic, baby.
1: That's what I don't understand.
4: I think offense being more important than defense is how. In, in the end, like you got to be, you got to make some plays on defense, uh, be opportunistic situationally like look at the forty nine the forty ers defense played terrible uh against the Packers until they didn't in the fourth quarter, and they made a couple plays, but like before that they're kind of getting run over uh even the the bills i mean the chiefs defense like that was their worst game of the season. they get through so i get, that would be my my answer. yeah like
3: the this last game as an example, um they forced Baker into two interceptions, one stopped the opening drive, led to points the second one mark uh ended the game, so they're opportunistic and and their pass rush has gotten better. Hutchinson's been on a tear mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of weeks. So, I guess it's maybe the numbers don't tell the full story of where the defense is right now in this moment under Aaron Glenn.
1: Or uh, they just have that magical thing. Or maybe
3: they do and we're going to they'll have but I'll tell you what, Marky. They're going to be tested in a big way at the Big Bell bottom on Sunday.
5: Yeah, and I think, you know, it comes down to the end and they gave up 20 points to the Cowboys, 20 to the Vikings, uh, and that started, you know, their playoff run after that. 23 to the Rams, 23 to the Bucs. They've generated some turnovers. Aiden Hutchinson's been playing. You're getting the best version of him. Yeah. I think the Lions are just a different type of story where like they're winning close games here, but there's just something about the team that I think under Campbell that's like, we are deficient in certain ways. We understand it. We're still a team that's being built and like a lot of their, their draft picks hit so hard. I think that's why they've leveled up and won in one extra playoff game than maybe they would have. Um, and it's like, Next year, this offseason, you, you amp up the defense to some degree. But they're surviving. But they're not giving up 45 points a game here and having to win shootouts at the end of the season here like they were last year. Last year was like, we've got to somehow score 38 points and give up 37. It's a little bit different textually in terms of, like, what they've done in the last three or four weeks.
4: And they, they come up with some big plays. Like, yes, they gave up a ton of yards the last two weeks. But, like, you think of the stops... The, the negative plays they forced the Rams into to get them out of field goal range last week. So many times the Bucks get across midfield and then Baker, you know, gets fooled by, by a blitz scheme that Glenn cooks up. So it's like to bend, but break defense, but you're right. Like the next two weeks, if they get to play two more games, it, they're, they're going to have to win shootouts.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Greggy an unsolved mystery mm. debating between two tough, Always tough.
5: Yeah, but this team doesn't get a lot. But that's what the showrunners of
3: Unsolved Mysteries had to do, Greg. So you do understand how the production. And they came to stack with the rundown. He's like,
4: get this out of my face. Rearrange.
1: Smashes a bottle against the wall. (laughs)
4: Like whiskey. (laughs) What what does Jason Light see this Buccaneers team be? A monster. That's my mystery. Mm. Because I think he's sneaky done a good job with this team, drafting, keeping it together. Um, They've really hit on their drafts. Better than almost any team in the league over the last six or seven years. They've, they've been pretty good. Mike Evans is a free agent. He is going to cost oh. like, an incredible amount, and uh, you could franchise tag him. That would be that would cost a lot in your gap. Levante David is a free agent. Baker Mayfield is a free agent. Antoine Winfield, I would argue, is your best defensive player. Is a free agent, and and David might be second. So you're maybe your two best defensive players. Heck, even Chase McLaughlin's a free agent. Uh, just a lot of pieces. I think they'll they'll say goodbye to Devin white, but the the biggest part of all this is how much do you really love Baker? Um, Because I think when you mentioned the Geno Smith type of contract, Mm. you you were probably right. Dan of like, that's what it's going to take to, that's what his agent's going to, that's what he's going to take to prevent him from going in the free agent market, which would be something like 25 to $30 million a year. And then maybe, 40 total guaranteed where like if you really wanted to give up on them after one year, you'd have to eat it a little bit, which is which is what the Geno Smith deal was, which was what the Derek Carr deal was with the Raiders, actually, not not with the Saints. Do you want to do that for Baker? Are you willing to spend all this money because they have a lot of cap space on Evans and these other guys and actually move on from Baker?
5: Yeah, I think like Baker worked partially because it wasn't quite to the level of Tom Brady landing there, but this was a better roster than people. I mean, the roster around him. Yeah. people around him, people th- kind of wrote the bucks off. as like a five win team. And a lot of it was like, well, Baker Mayfield feels like a placeholder. Um, and you got, you know, at least I think the best seat, the second best season of Baker Mayfield. And like, it came at the right time in the playoffs, like the whole thing. And it, like, it worked and it's a nice story, but I think the teams have to be really, really careful of nice stories. And I'll give you another Browns example when they went 10 and six back in the day with Romeo Cornell and Derek Anderson. And, and as that season came crashing to a halt and they missed the playoffs, you could kind of see through it. And it was like, well, and what they did was because they had never had that kind of success was they re-upped Romeo Cornell on a monster contract, re-upped Derek Anderson, um, and brought in a bunch of like half-baked free agents. And they were being talked They were given the most primetime games in the league. And then went on like the worst scoring drought of any team in like 45 years or something. So I think if you're the bit, you have you're the Bucks. You have to be self scout and say we were in a terrible division, inside wrapped inside a conference that was going to make it easy to tra- go through a trap door into the playoffs. But don't deceive yourself. Baker might be deserve to stick around, but don't
4: anoint him as the starter yet. I'd say look in the draft, look at competition, yeah, but mean, also give him credit for and what even, he did. Even Mike Evans, as great as he is, is going to be 31 next year and is probably going to, like, does he even fit better on a team that can just give him $60 million over two years to try to go win a Super Bowl? Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus having to pay that much money in this Tampa. This
1: is off topic. Is Mike Evans a Hall of Famer?
4: I think he's probably right there now because it's been so so many years. What eleven straight years? He feels like one of those guys that's going to be slowly like he'll be a semifinalist for five years, and then at the end of his thing, it'll be like he'll get into the room and he'll be like on the border, and one of those guys will have to wait forever because he, so he doesn't have those all pros.
1: It's so tough too. Doesn't have
4: those all pros. I think yeah. um,
3: you mentioned the Browns as an example that year. Jets did the same thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick after he had a, a great season out of nowhere or a good season out of nowhere. It's very easy for these middling teams that are maybe a, a ball bounce the right way and you win a playoff game to talk yourselves into oh let, let's bring this the core of this team back and then it's like well this team actually isn't that good and they won a bad division and this is a lot of the core players from the Super Bowl team from three years ago that are, continue to get older and you, mm-hmm. you could make the same you could make a case which is weird because you're coming off a team that was just in the. Essentially, the quarterfinals of a Super Bowl tournament uh, to blow the whole thing up, like, like you could do that too, right? And it might not be the wrong decision. Uh, which typically you don't say about a, a defending division champion that won a playoff game, but they are in a weird space yes. where they could go two ways.
4: Imagine if Antoine Winfield hadn't done that play against Carolina where he knocked the ball out at the half-hour oh line in Week 18. Yes. And, and the you know, Bucs didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game and like the, the season had ended there. Mike Evans has my vote, Colleen. Yeah. Not in the Superstar Club, but the Hall of Fame.
3: Weird. He, he That's occupi- weird. Uh, <laughs> occupies a very weird, unsolved mystery of his own,
1: uh, in my opinion.
4: It reminds me of a little bit of, of Reggie Wayne but not, he didn't get the, as many like primetime games and stuff like that, but occupied a similar space.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
4: Andre Johnson, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, Andre Johnson, to me, is another level above, but yes.
1: And then Tom Brady aside, like the quarterbacks that he's been with, he's, Mike Evans has been kind of quarterback proof.
4: That's a p- big argument for him, I think. Absolutely. He would have better numbers if he had had a better quarterback. Mark.
3: Mark
5: has a
4: lot
3: to choose from.
4: No, Mark told us he had 27 different... Big old database. 23 of them were, you know...
3: Cooking up that DiGiorno's in the brain.
5: (laughs) I want to (laughs) know... I think the Eagles collapse, when something like that happens, you kind of forget about the second biggest collapse sometimes, right? It's like Eagles became such a big story, and they were part of our flashpoint. But what about down in Miami? A team that absolutely was torn to pieces by most winning teams in general, but the Ravens exposed them in every possible way. I think that launched Lamar Jackson and ended the MVP race right there. They have a critical game at home against the Bills that they lose, and you and the division floats away. And the early season luster and the idea that Mike McDaniels, who is an incredible press conference guy, had some sort of like hand or secret over the rest of the league when they were scoring 70 points on the Denver Broncos back in week three. Goes on from there into inclement conditions in Kansas City. The offense never shows up. The defense gives the Chiefs one of their best offensive performances of the year. And you now march into an offseason. This team that looked like they were going to soar to playoff wins. With the second worst cap situation in the league. And I know that you can say all these things are just solvable. But they are $58 million in the red. You have got a flock of free agents. Jerome Baker, Connor Williams, your center, Christian Wilkins, <laughs> Andrew Van Ginkle. These guys all sound like they're going to get murdered with this. Van Ginkle is
1: a character I am convinced that you've made up. I'm going to
5: find him in a battle. Andrew Van-, Van Ginkle. Love Van Ginkle. I think he's, you know, <laughs> through two coaching staffs, he's been a difference maker for I them. I love him as a player. All right. They've got three, three or four offensive linemen. Uh, who are free agents, they already were really short at wide receiver. As soon as they lost Waddle, it looked like they were exposed at that position. They have to start over at that position, essentially. All their backup guys are gone, too. Start over? I, well, I'm saying just beyond your two yeah, stars. You yeah. lose one star, and they don't, they're don't. they not the same team. And the other star needs to get paid soon. That's right. You've got problems. I mean, I am just sort of saying also that you are in this place where you can look at Tua, and I understand that there is, he's one of these guys. It's like the people that are pro Tua... You can paint any picture you want, but I can't repaint the picture of what happened to him down the stretch and in that playoff game. And it's like I just feel like he's a quarterback, and I have my own thoughts on Tua, where he's like very capable, accurate. There are good things about him. It's not not to put him in one box, but do you trust him in the biggest NFL moments that your team's going to encounter? I think we've got a couple. We've got no! some, We've got a sample size where the answer is no. And you are Mike <laughs> McDaniel. Who is, this is an epic setup? System. You've come out of the belly of of <laughs> Kyle Shanahan, who for a decade plus has had like an intense man crush on Kyle on Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Ooh, oh, this is all even- leading. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Wow. I'm just wondering if like or do you just sit there with Tua? Because I would say one thing about Mike McDaniel. He's Go gone <laughs> as far as he can to build up the confidence publicly of Tua. Okay. He has been his supporter nope. verbally from uh, wire to wire. I'm just saying that someone like Kirk Cousins, other options in the world, if you're Mike McDaniel and you feel like an inflection point of like, we can't just repeat this same season where you walk into the playoffs and get waxed in cold yes. weather, how do you change things? What is Mike McDaniel's
4: next move? There are a lot of I, questions you I asked I appreciate
1: there. how thorough that was. That was deep. That was good.
4: I want that entire thing on Instagram. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the fish fry.
3: I've been here for a while, and, and you're – the seat's uh, right next to me. I warm. also
4: appreciate yeah. <laughs> having you
5: not have to take every bullet from that fan base. Like, they've got to have open eyes, and it's not just, they. Had, no. They
3: did not have open eyes, and and they their offense went into a funk last year, too, that people looked away on and just said, oh, well, two was hurt and all this stuff. Uh, I got to see if that offense is functional uh, when it's not Super Bowl September in Miami. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of work to be done there to see them as a real contender. I don't need to add anything else because I was saying it all year.
1: You it was said, the same questions that we had about this team, and they showed us the answer in the most important and biggest game possible. We weren't sure how they would play against good teams, and we definitely weren't sure how they would play against good teams on the road, and then that's exactly what happened, and that was the concern all season long, and it came to fruition.
4: I think defensively, there's a lot to be excited about, um, and they can keep most of their people's year two of Vic Fangio. That, that was really showing dividends before the injury struck, but everything you said is really... Um, well-positioned, Mark, because I think they're in a very difficult spot where they have a lot of challenges uh, to keep this team together and very difficult decisions to make, and yet they have these high expectations, and yet they haven't really achieved that much. It might be the, the most difficult spot you can be in. It's like, true, you know what I mean? Like, the expectations are high, but there's a chance it could all crash and really tough decisions, but you actually haven't put any playoff wins in your pocket. It's a tough spot that their GM, Chris Greer, and uh, their coaches in. And I like McDaniel. We all like McDaniel.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Some of us love him.
4: Some of us are adore him. He, he's what makes it, work it there today. think they can avoid it falling apart. But I, I think in terms of their roster, they have as many questions as anyone.
3: Ugly ending to the season for sure. Um, all right. I think that's good. I think we're good, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Colleen.
1: Yes. Dan.
3: Are you uh, attending... Super Bowl fifty eight. I am. Are you still going up in that fighter jet?
1: Oh my god, the Thunderbirds! Yes, I am. I I cannot wait. Yeah. Is it
3: you and one other
5: pilot? Yeah. So you're not like playing gunner. I'm not saying that you'd be shooting and gunning. Like you're not like you don't play a role. You're just a passenger.
1: I'm just a passenger, but there's like five hours of training and like medical assessments I have to go through first, Mm. and. Yeah, I mean, if how I how do you to, train to be the passenger? If I have to eject, I have to eject. Okay, oh, no. so no, I you know cannot wait.
3: I I've been I know, I'm jealous. Fa- falling down some uh, YouTube wormholes lately.
1: About the Thunderbirds?
3: Just about everything, and okay. my <laughs> algorithm's out of control lately. I was oh, watching. No. Uh, oh, no more I watched that. a 26-minute video <laughs> about uh, the the mechanics of the Titanic sinking. And then that spit me into some uh, different lanes. And then it uh-huh. spit me to, here's a 96-year-old world, world War II pilot. Um, guy, you know, a guy who can barely walk. You know, he's ancient. Uh huh. They load him up in the old uh, fighter jet. And um, after showing a whole real montage of, you know, able-bodied young people passing out due to the G-force. I
1: know. I'm really worried about it.
3: And then Gramps is up there and uh he he, no no effect
1: no way gramps
3: the veteran who's been in who had been many battles and then all i could think was uh calling him into the office and being like gramps i'm taking your wings you're fired get the Jesus. (laughs)
1: Jesus.
3: <laughs> wow, because that gives you a chance to yes, really get could. one over on him. Yeah,
5: you're like you've got some lineage issues, but I it is making for good listening.
1: Have you ever been a boss of like um people that you could potentially fire?
3: It's not not
5: yet, but okay. I'm, I'm I'm looking
1: just forward h- to maybe the opportunity. hoping that doesn't happen though.
3: But it's a lot of family <laughs> stuff that that I think <laughs> you know, especially like a grandfather. If you could, if you can. Mm, I
5: respect you but it's sort of like a godfather mm, yeah. uh, fantasy for you mm. where you're like al pacino in the bathroom finding
1: the pistol is.
3: I respect you but
1: ego so yeah i'm worried about passing out
3: i think uh, you yeah, will I, I guess is what i'm going to say i know you've you've flown before
1: oh i've flown before
3: um many times right uh huh uh but you've never gone g force i did my, i
1: did my ground school for my pilot's license i got my hmm. not not all the hours i needed for my private didn't solo but I've been up there, and yeah, I've never pulled G's before, but when I was talking to the pilot, Jeez. I said that I was worried about passing out and or throwing up, really don't want to do either one of those things, and she was like, oh, I'm not worried about it, women's bodies are more <laughs> physiologically capable of uh, handling the G's, so really? usually when people throw mm-hmm. up or pass out, it's men. Well, I swear, and I, and I was like, yeah. "I'm sorry. can you just say that one more time you drop down?:
4: what, just, if, I, uh, what if the man is 60 percent, G? <laughs> oh,
1: oh my God.
4: I was sitting on that for 10 minutes.) <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, yes, I'll be at Super Bowl. Uh, I'll make it to Sunday as long as so the flight goes okay on Tuesday. Not
3: only, uh, you know, is everyone counting on you, including uh-huh. your uh, war veteran father. That's right. Who's Who flo- he flew missions.
1: Yeah, he was uh, stationed at a missile silo.
3: Now all You're the dead. women of humanity are counting on you, too, to keep up the reputation of G-Force.
1: It's a lot of pressure, but I'm ready to handle it.
3: I like that you harbor,
5: like, spontaneous combustion fears, but also jump into this assignment.
1: (laughs) I'll jump out of planes. (laughs) Let's go.
3: Good stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will be back on Thursday. Title game Thursday preview. That's a big one. Try to cook up some guests for that. Spicy. Mm. Thank you, Connie. Yeah. Heed the call.